Good afternoon. I know some of you pick up the program starting with this hour. So great to have you here. I am Jim Rome. Nice to be with you. Very busy Friday. Lots of interviews, a lot of content, lots to get done. So jump up in here. 1-800-636-8686. If you want to hit me up on the platform, there's the X. Hit me at Jim Rome. Email me at Rome, R-O-M-E, at haveatake.com. Let's not waste any more time. We jump right into it. As promised, we are joined now by a Patriots insider for NBC Sports Boston. He has covered that team since 1997. He is co-host of the Patriots Talk podcast. He is co-author of Julian Edelman, or with Julian Edelman, of Relentless, a memoir. In other words, he's about all of these things. He's as plugged in and as dialed in as anybody. I'm talking about Tom Curran. My man, not much going on at Patriot Place these days, Tom. Are you having a hard time keeping yourself busy? Holy crap, Jimmy. We're getting too old for this. We're getting too old for it. Oh, dude, that is the absolute best. All right, so where to even start? We are getting too old for it, and holy crap, Tom, I agree with you. Listen, Bill Belichick is out. Gerard Mayo apparently is in. Before we get to Mayo, let's talk about Belichick. Obviously, Tom, you and I could spend an entire program a whole Mm -hmm. afternoon on this question, but ultimately, after going on the greatest run the sport has ever seen and probably ever will see, ultimately, how did it all come undone for Belichick? This is not how the Crafts expected it to end. Certainly, it's not how Bill expected it to end, or did the region. You know, the the worst Bill we always kind of thought was maybe six or seven wins. He, You know, Brady leaves, they go seven and nine in the year after he leaves with Cam Newton. And that's your figuring rock bottom. So when Bill had a poor season last year and made very questionable coaching staff decisions, and the Patriots said, you know what, he's close enough to Shula. He's a pain in the ass, but he's our pain in the ass. So let's up him for two more years, and hopefully he'll break that record, and then you know we'll, we'll see what is going to happen. Nobody expected four and thirteen. Nobody expected a team that would have literally six games in which they didn't score a touchdown, James. And with all the saber rattling that Robert Kraft did in the off season about expecting playoff wins and it being a business and being a production business. There was no way he could say all the things that he did and deliver all the ultimatums that he did and really not act on them with Bill. So as painful as it is for Patriots fans and as much of the celebration of Bill and all he accomplished is going on here, it just became untenuous. Untenable? Either way. I think that makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. Tom Curran joining us. In time, you mentioned that he had said, listen, we... The way you laid that out, like he, he's a pain in the ass, but he's our pain in the ass, and he'll get that record, then we'll figure it out. So that would suggest that there was some sort of succession plan in place. But apparently now with the, the announcement that Mayo, not the official announcement, but the report that official. he's going to be the guy, there it is official now. Yeah. There is and was a succession plan in place. Can you give me some insight into that? What exactly was promised to him, and when was it promised to him? Mayo's contract expired last off season. He has designs on going to be a head coach someplace. And he's never accepted a coaching title here in New England because he wanted to preserve his mobility. If he became, for instance, defensive coordinator and didn't like the direction of things, he could only leave for a head coaching job. So he wanted to be able to have mobility. So he was really the linebacker's coach. He had been approached in the past to be co-defensive coordinator along with Steve Belichick. And he said, you know, it's not really how we're doing it. I know Steve's the play caller, but I'm, I'm at the front of the room. I'm kind of 
setting the tone for the week. I'm leading things. So I would, I'm going to pass on co-defensive coordinator. He and Steve Belichick have a great relationship, and they are symbiotic, and they've done a great job with the defense. But he never wanted a title. So when the Crafts realized, okay, we keep losing by attrition and retirement so many coaches here, and we're about to lose Gerard, too, if we don't make a move here last January. We like him. He's been an executive. He's a compelling person. He's extremely smart. Players play for him on defense. We'll write a two-year contract for Gerard. We're going to write a two-year contract for Bill. And after two years, once Bill gets past Don Shula, we'll most likely be making the move to Gerard. Let's write it right into the contract. And that's what they did. And again, nobody expected 4-13. and And really the dysfunction of the team in getting to that point and the unwatchable level of it. So... Gerard is a year earlier than anticipated. Tom Curran joining us. So just like nobody expected that, I don't think anybody there, including Bob Kraft, expected Mike Vrabel to come free and clear and be available. I understand the plan was in place. I understand mm-hmm. that it was on the contract. What about Vrabel? Did Kraft give that a second thought? Did he give that any thought when Vrabel became clear? Conversations I had this week indicated that they love Mike Vrabel. They think the world of him but that they have been methodical in their planning for what they would do. And they were not going to deviate from the plan that they had put in place when they did the contract with Mayo. So had that contract not been written with that language in it, and Bill went 4-13, and but there was no direct commitment to Gerard Mayo, I don't know how that would change, my, uh, Jimmy. I, I really don't. I mean, maybe, maybe they'd say, we love Gerard, but we would be doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't at least talk to Mike. Um, I think that's absolutely worth hypothesizing. Hypo, hypo, another big word out of me, hypothesizing about. But that ship has sailed. You know, since they put it in paper, you're right. Like, there's no getting around that. But if we just, like, let's play that hypothetical game. Tom, in your opinion, who would you rather have, Mayo or Vrabel? Oh, man. Full disclosure? Full. Mayo at Bill's recommendation, was a guest of mine on my weekly show for six years as a player. And then after he retired and went into private industry, was a co-host of the same show. I've done podcasts and television shows. Full disclosure, I love Mike Vrabel, have a great relationship with him, um, but I know Mayo very well. So it's hard for me to give a non-objective opinion as to who I think would be the better head coach. I can objectively look at it, and say, Mayo's got more, excuse me, Vrabel's got more experience. He's got more experience dealing with personnel departments. He's got more experience dealing with the salary cap. He's coached in playoff games. He understands the logistics of it. Gerard does not. That argues in his favor. What argues in Gerard's favor, in my estimation, is that he is the right guy at the right time who is the right age to relate to the players here and change the tenor of the organization in a way that it desperately needs to be changed. It ain't a fun place to play. We see a lot of plaudits going out on social media about all the players who love Bill, and they do. But so many of those same players will look at my face and talk about what a dink he was and how hard it was and how they couldn't wait to have X, Y, or Z happen so they didn't have to deal with it anymore. So we'll see. But there's a lot that argues for Rabel, Jim. No, no, no doubt. Tom, this is why you shouldn't mess with big words when you can use short words or small words like dink, no doubt. Which, which hit just as hard. Dink. 
He's a dink, man. He's a dink. It's so great. Tom Curran's joining us. So, Tom, where does that leave the Patriots in terms of a GM? Belichick, of course, handled that capacity or was in that capacity. Where do they turn now for GM? I don't know. That's one thing I don't have any intel on for you. Um, I'm presuming that generally teams, Jim, in your experience, I'm sure you could agree as well, generally teams who are going through kind of a more methodical um, rebuild of their team will keep a lot of the personnel around throughout the offseason, their personnel staff around. Matt Groh is here as the number one in the personnel department. Elliot Wolf, son of Ron Wolf, is here. A guy named Steve Cargile who's been here. They've all done their work from August through January on the college prospects, and they have a huge draft opportunity. Do you want that brain power and data to go out the door now? What do you say? <laughs> yeah, see you later. They haven't done that great lately. So I don't know which way they'll go, but there's a lot, a lot of work that's been done on the Patriots' behalf that is proprietary to them because it was done by their, their people. So that's the fascinating part because Bill isn't out because he can't coach. Bill's out because his players weren't good enough. Flat out. That's it. I mean, we can mayo all day long. We can mayo Vrabel, any McDaniels, anybody. It's the players, man. They don't have – I'm t- probably talking too long. But check this out. They don't have a quarterback. They have one running back under contract. They don't have a tight end under contract. They don't have a top-end wide receiver or a number-two wide receiver. Their offensive line is a shambles. It's an expansion-level offense. And they have to go into free agency and then go into the draft and fix all that with an outstanding defense. So it's the personnel thing that's really big here. Yeah, I think. I agree with you, Tom. That's why, to me, like Gerard Mayo, I have immense respect for. You can tell he's got that it. He's a young, bright, up-and-coming guy. And and I can see where that would work. But his job is so difficult because not only is he following the GOAT, the GOAT left him nothing at all in the cupboard. I mean, there is no talent. They're bereft. There's a good word. They're bereft of any kind of talent, right? So that's a real problem. Tom Curran joining us. Tom, so where does that leave Belichick, and what do you think? Because you made the point, and I agree with you. He can still coach. Where does that leave him, and what do you think the market looks like for him? I'm fascinated to hear. I mean, those requests should start coming in. Don't they have to be shared with the league? That's the thing is I'm going to have, like, post-traumatic, like, (laughs) Belichick syndrome. (laughs) I bet. Like, the the things that I'm going to – find out and hear that the places in the building I'm going to be allowed to go that were before you thought you were going to take one in the back of the head if you walked too far down the hallway. My guess is it will have to be shared somehow if a request is made for Bill. Now, Bill's preference would be, yeah, you don't have to say anything. I'll just come in and visit with you. But I think some of those interviews have to be shared with the league. So Atlanta would seem to be the front runner just based on the guy I trust in Mike Lombardi. Um, in his relationship with Bill and the emphatic nature of the way he said that Atlanta should come after him. So that's, that's my best guess. Would he go work with Adam Peters, who was an employee here in New England, in Washington? All of that stuff is on the table. Or would you hire a GM first and then have Bill Belichick come in and go, who are you again? Oh, yeah, I remember you. <laughs> 
Tom, to your point, before you go, I was going to ask you about this anyway, but I thought that you set this up perfectly, that there are certain turns in that hallway that you don't want to make. You might end up with a burning slug in your head. I'm curious. Nobody's done a better job of covering this team than you. How would you describe what it's been like covering and reporting on on Bill Belichick, about Bill Belichick, and working within the confines of the culture of a team and an organization run by Bill Belichick as a reporter. What's that been like? Uh, it's been an unbelievable privilege, Jim. You wouldn't have been talking to me if I was covering the Cardinals for the last 15 or 20 years that we've done these things. Yes, I would. Uh, I probably would have gotten sick of it and lost my job. There's a million <laughs> jobs up here because of the team's so friggin' good, because Bill helped that happen. So it's been an absolute privilege. I had a, a great relationship with Bill at different junctures. It's not as as great now because in doing your job, we're across purposes in terms of how we cover the team. But it's been an unbelievable privilege. You could have been a reporter covering Lombardi's Packers in the 60s and Bill Walsh in the 80s with the Niners and still not seen as much success as I got to witness from 2000 to 2020 here. So the luckiest reporter, myself and a few others, Mike Reese from ESPN, who was here for the whole thing, um, that I can imagine. A lot thanks to a great alliance here, thanks to Bill and Tom Brady. I can appreciate that response quite a bit. Tom Curran, Patriots insider for NBC Sports Boston, as mentioned, has covered that team since 1997, co-host of the Patriots Talk podcast, co-author along with Julian Edelman of Relentless, a memoir. My man, I appreciate you so much, Tom. Great to have you on. Thank you very much, and I know we'll do it again soon. In fact, I'll look for you in Vegas. That's what I was going to say. I'll see you at the Bellagio. You got it. See you at the Bellagio. (laughs) Tom Curran joining us. My man, I love him. I, I disagree with one thing he said. I would talk to him no matter who he covered. He's always one of my favorites. And the Cardinals have been a good jungle team for a long time. So that's a bad example. If you covered the Cardinals, dude, assuredly I would have talked to you. But no matter where you worked or who you covered, I would have talked to you. Because he's always been, you heard him. That's the way he shows up. He's fun. Great content, good show. All right, my thanks to Tom Curran. I've got the big head, James Kelly. He had a big week too. It's been a week now. It's been a week, and a big week for a lot of people, but maybe none bigger for James Kelly, who apparently finally opened up the dog wash portion of his car wash. I wonder what's going to cash flow more, getting cars washed or getting dogs washed. You know what you should do, dude? You should also open up a human wash element. Put a shower head outside so people can wash. Cars get washed. Animals get washed. Humans get washed. You know what you should do if you're not already doing it? You should also start washing money. You know, like laundering. Just kidding, head. Don't do that. All right, phone lines. <laughs> phone lines are open. We've got Eric Wood coming up. Nice job, Albie. Eric Wood coming up at 1120. Kenny Clark, who, of course, Jack Savage knows. Savage knows everybody. Savage kind of like. Humble brag, name dropped him last night on me. Let me pick up that name off the floor, Jack. Jack Jack runs, I mean, I don't know how many people he's assassinated, but I'm always shocked at who he knows, how he knows them, and whether or not it's true. At first I was skeptical, but now when he drops these names, I know it's true. Savage has just got this weird knack of being in the right place at the right time. 
So there's that. In fact, if you want, Jack, I know you're trying to move up in the world. Maybe you interview Kenny. See how that goes. Clones. Got one question for you. Why is Old Trapper beef jerky so incredible? I mean, there's no way. I've got so many reasons why and not enough time in a 60-second spot. But I'll start with this. It's a family-run business, which stands by quality and produces what I believe to be the world's finest beef jerky. It is Old Trapper, and it's everybody else. Do not get conned. Do not be fooled by the other brands. All beef jerky is not the same. Do not walk into a convenience store or wherever you find your beef jerky and say, yeah, where do you keep the beef jerky? What you want to do is go in there and say, where do you keep the old trapper? If you don't see it, ask for it by name because there is a difference. It comes in four amazing flavors. Grab and go with a four-ounce bag if you're new to it and you don't know which flavor you want. Or if you already know and you're an OG, a beef jerky OG, get the 18-ouncer. And again, if you don't see it, it's there. Trust me. Ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what's your beef? You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. So, Alvin, I know how you like to kind of trick things up. Was that actual speed or did you speed that up? Yes. Gamma Bomb. Man, that is fast. That's some speed metal right there. I want to know if Alvin doctored that up and made that even faster than it is. No, no, no. I should know. Then it hit me all of a sudden. No, no, no. This is Gamma Bomb. Alvin's like, there's no way I would ever do that to my guys. No, 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 no. Of course not. Not on this show. It was just my bad. I momentarily forgot that it was the G-bomb. They really do play that fast. My thanks to Tom Curran. Love him. Man, my man's probably slept three hours over the last four weeks. Yet here he is showing up doing his thing and doing it brilliantly. Patriot fans not happy with him. Patriot fans like, hey man, you were wrong. You were wrong. No, he wasn't. He nailed it. He got it right. And we can get into that whole thing. You know, because he had reported that the decision was actually made when they were in Germany and they lost. And then at that point, Bob Kraft had enough. That was the final straw. And a lot of Patriot fans were coming at my dude saying, see, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. He didn't get fired then. He didn't say he got fired then. He didn't report that he was going to be fired then. He said that a decision had been made. Just like prior to the actual announcement, he said that Gerard Mayo was going to be the guy. And he got that right, too. Like, if you're not going to believe the guy who's been there the entire time, who are you going to trust? Who are you going to believe? Like, you know more than that guy? Like, any of us know more than that guy? That guy's been walking those hallways since 97. Hey, Rome, what is the over-under for frozen penises? Do I have to put a moratorium on penis talk? Okay, in this case, I'll honor the question. What is the over-under for frozen penises in the KC-Miami game? Tyreek, better be careful or he may be jeopardizing his second career. 
signed the Olympic skier with the frozen penis. Penis Mike man. in Green Bay. You know what? I will honor that. You're right. And I'll honor that because Tyreek has said that he wants to be a porn star in his and next I, career. When I retire, bro, I really want to be a porn star, though, bro. Like, dead serious. Like, you think I got that? No? Nah, I mean, just do, do whatever you want, bro. I ain't, you know what I'm saying? I don't got an opinion on that. Yeah, bro. That, that's an incredible exchange. No, man, for real. I want to be a porn star. I want to be a porn star. Quote, you think I got that? He was talking to Mike Evans, I believe. I want to be a porn star for real. You think I got that? Yo, my man, based on your numbers, and I don't mean yards after catch, I mean children after coitus. I think you got that. I do. If, if that was a hypothetical question and you didn't want an answer or you're posing that to Mike Evans, whatever. If you want an answer and you're not getting an answer, yes. Reek, I think you got that based on your numbers. All right, so let's, re- let's reset this. 1-800-636-8686. The Big Head. James Kelly and I are going to break down the games coming up at 1040. Let's try Dallas. Damien in Dallas. Good to have you, Damien. What's up? Pimp in the box. Thank you for taking me. It's always a part. I would say it's always an honor to be part of the jungle when I do get in. That's the second time, and I'm just freaking out. But I just wanted, I just wanted to talk about the game this weekend. You know, I've seen all these cheeseheads walking around here, and they brought the cold weather with them, and I need to let them know that's not going to help them because it's going to be balmy in Jerry World. 70 degrees when 88 gets on fire. You start delivering that Texas-sized beatdown, you know, I, all they can do is go home and tell their new quarterback they had a good season, son, you know? But yeah, no, I, I, I feel, let me jump in, Damien. I feel you. I just looked at my loss of a signal down there. You see that, Tommy? Anyway, yes, it's a different deal. And I'll get into this later on. Dallas is an extremely different team at home than they are on the road. Packer fan travels... Cowboy team does not. Let me repeat that. Packer fan travels. The Cowboys team does not. They're not a good road team. They're not even an average road team. They're not a good road team. But they're a completely different team at home, which is why I'm saying they're hosting a game in the wild card round against Mike McCarthy's former team. He has to win. That dude, that's a must-win game. I'll get into this with James Kelly. But I want to talk about what I think should happen if he doesn't win that game. And the thing about that is, Green Bay can win that game. There's a lot to like about Green Bay. Let me go back to what I said in hour number one. There are three franchises in my mind that are playing must-win games that could all lose this weekend. But they have to have it. Dallas has to have that game. Has to. Detroit against the Rams. The Lions have to have that game. They could lose that game. So we'll get into all of this. If you're a Charger fan, who do you want to be the head coach? There's got to be a Falcon fan out there who's got to take. Do you want Bill Belichick? Tom Curran said what I said. I think that the Chargers are the best job for Bill Belichick, but I think the Falcons are the most likely. But then again, how weird is that? 
I mean, weird enough that the hood is going to show up on somebody else's sideline, but can you imagine the hood rocking a Falcons headset and Falcons gear? That is just weird to me, man. Really weird. It was going to be weird no matter what, seeing him someplace else. But the Falcons? But it makes sense. They have skill. They have talent. They just don't have a quarterback. Eric Wood will be joining me at 1120. Good friend of mine, a good friend of the program. We'll talk about the Bills. They've won five in a row. They're hot. They're red hot. You know who else is pretty hot? (laughs) The Steelers. The Steelers were actually playing their best ball, at least offensively, under Mason Rudolph. The thing about that game that's really interesting from a betting standpoint, that's a double-digit game. I had a rule that I set down a few weeks back. In the NFL, I no longer ever, ever, ever lay double-digit points. It's just too many points in the NFL. And now we're going to see a double-digit spread in a playoff game? What do you do with that? And then you've got Packer defensive tackle, Kenny Clark. You've heard him on the show before. Always a good guy to run down. We'll do that too. I think we'll get out early, I'll be eh? We're on time. That's the first time I think in, I don't know, 10 years that I've heard music come up at 29. What? That was really unusual. Alvin just made an executive decision. His what? We'll do the bets. Rich Ackerman, he's either celebrating back in New York or he's in the head because he's not used to me getting out on time. What's going on, man? Man, What's going on, Romy? You're right on time for the first time ever. From Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Once again, remember, not all beef jerky is the same. Old Trappers, original, old-fashioned, teriyaki, hot and spicy, and peppered, all come in four-ounce bags. So you can sample the different flavors and find out which one you like best. Ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Now it is time to break down this weekend's action. Preview it, give us your picks, or give you our picks. You know what I'm saying. We are joined by the big head. James Kelly, big head bets for Wild Card Weekend. Head, monster, monster weekend. How you living? How you feeling about it? I'm living great, man. I feel great about this weekend. Can't wait for some good football here. How many dogs have you washed? couple dogs have been washed, but the problem is it's very, very cold outside, like negative one from tonight until Tuesday, so the dog washed is closed till then. How about the car wash? Closed. Too cold. Oh, the whole thing's closed. Oh, yeah, man. Way too cold out here. Break equipment. Can't do it. Okay, dude. So if you can't run your business and your operations, how are they going to play football in that weather in Kansas City? I have no freaking clue. You couldn't pay me enough to go to watch that football game. No way. How about playing in that game? That might be better than going because there's going to be some, like, shirtless idiots, I'm sure, somewhere out there that aren't running around and staying warm. But I'm miserable, horrible. Yeah, but at like least Tom they're not running into face. each other. Yeah, true. All right, so yeah. let's get into this. We have a lot to cover. Let's do Browns it. v. Texans. An incredible matchup. A great opportunity for both. What is the latest number, and how are you playing it? Yeah, the uh, Deshaun Cosby Bowl is what I'm calling it here, where both organizations are better off without him on the field, but society is terrified he's off Jello it right now. Jello pudding pops. Yeah, don't take that pudding pop, okay? Houston is a two-point home dog. I can't believe the two of you have already combined to do that 30 seconds in. 
That's insane. Did, do you get with Alan, or does Alan do that on the fly? He just knows it's coming. He knows me on the fly. Thank yeah. you, Alan. Yeah, thank you, Alan. <laughs> Appreciate that. Houston is a two-point home dog. Love the Texans, but I'm going to go with the dude who called your show back in the day, Debbie's husband, Joe. Um, that guy, his last four starts, he's thrown for 300 yards in each of his uh, each game while the Browns are 4-0, and one against the de- this defense I'm of Houston. I will. I'm going to. Was that was my take good. on your pick, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You probably will, huh? Um, he will be able to move the football against this team. Hey, uh, if he breaks it. We're not, we're not going to get through this segment. If no, you we're not. I'll hurry up here. Can you, can you stop stopping and just do your thing, please? Yes. Cut down on the turnovers, Joe, because this Browns defense can keep C.J. Stroud in check. They held opponents to the second lowest pass rating and the uh, had the lowest yards per attempt in 2023. Also, C.J. has struggled to be top 10 passing defenses. He's averaged 184 yards a game passing versus those teams. ATS, the Browns have only covered 28.6% of their away games, but Deb's husband has covered his last four. I think he breaks Bacon 46's record for playoff road victories and covers Cleveland minus two. You know what my reaction to that is? What's that? <laughs> Whatever. Listen, the Browns are an amazing story. I'll admit it. I thought they were dead in the water when they lost Nick Chubb for the season. And even with that great defense, I had long since forgotten about them long before Joe Flacco arrived. But then Flacco arrived. And he started doing things that even prime Flacco isn't or didn't do back in the day. It's one of the damnedest things I've ever seen. Suddenly, the Browns are actually, once again, a nice feel-good story, a team that you can root for, and a team that is dangerous, a team that could go on a run, a deep run. All of that said, mm-hmm. no way in hell, no way in hell do I go against jungle legend Nick Casario and the Texans. C-Town, you know I have your back. Always have, always will. I pride myself on being on a national scale, one of the only national voices that goes out of its way to praise all the virtues of Seatown. You will never catch me going Joe Noah on you and talking about how it's all factories. It's all factories. And that you would never, ever go on vacation there, would I mean, you? I never heard anybody say, I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. Seatown. What's so good about Cleveland? Seatown, I will always be here for you, except this weekend, because while I never root, ever, for anything other than something to talk about, I am all about the Texans. There is just too much jungle karma and jungle history running through that organization. And it's led by a jungle legend in GM Nick Casario, who came and gave a legendary performance this week, yes. even to the point, Head, of mm-hmm. talking about this summer's upcoming Smack Off 30. Well, it's funny. Uh, I was listening to the show last week. My brother in Smack Silk uh, happened to call into the show, and he was nailed as he normally is. So there's a lot of very talented callers. I'm going to have to spend some time in the basement here getting my material ready if I'm going to make an appearance over the summer, if, in fact, that's when you do it. So I know Left has a strong game. I know he's out for me. So a lot of respect to Left. sure he'll call in (laughs) as a result of this. But I'm going to have to just make sure that I do my homework and get in the basement, make sure I listen to the show during the course of the year, get some good material. Um, Maybe you can get our 
our boy Darko on the show after his performance there last night. You know, Alan did a great job with that mix. Alan. So great job to you, Alan, getting the uh, the, the show <laughs> ready this morning. But uh, it's always fun to listen to the show, Jim. I, I really appreciate just the relationship. And I'm locked into the show as much as I'm locked into football. But there's always time for the jungle. So I'll have to pick my spots. I'll be very uh, shrewd and judicious about um, whether or not I make the appearance. But, you know, I appreciate the ticket. And we'll see if this is the year we put it to use. Yeah, because I'm going to pick against that guy. Amazing. That, hey, right? The hell I am. I mean, I, I don't care what the line is. Texans plus two, Texans minus two, Texans off the board altogether. Does not matter to me. I ride with the legend, Nick Casario and his crew. Loyalty still matters. Nick is loyal to the program. I am loyal to him and his team. Texans plus two. All right, two teams who are not who we thought they were ahead colliding in frozen KC. Chiefs, Dolphins, what's the number? What are you doing with it? Man, had Miami protected that lead v. Buffalo on Sunday, they'd be playing in a close to 80-degree weather this week. Now, Willie Warmers are packed, and they are headed to Arrowhead. The number has moved to 4.5. KC minus 4.5 because of the weather, and it's a Florida team. And a team who gets fat on beating up on ass, as we know, they scored 35.5 points. Uh, versus teams with 500 or worse, 17.6 points against teams over 500. Tua also had zero 300-yard games this season against those above 500 teams, seven touchdowns to six interceptions. But they can run the football, something this second-ranked KC defense struggles to stop. And on the other side of the ball, the Dolphins have uh, lost several edge rushers through the last month. But the good news here for them is uh, they're playing the Chiefs' tackles, and they got a Wendy Williams situation where they're don't. leaking air at both don't. spots. Alan. Wendy, both spots. Don't, right. Alan. Left. She's not low. Alan. <laughs> That's their tackle situation right there. Thank you, Alan. Add the fact that the receivers can't catch in warm weather, let alone cold weather, and the Dolphins' defense Alan has gotten can't a takeaway. In perfect weather. Any le- perfect weather. Alan's Alan ears don't work. Go ahead. Take away. 11 straight games for the Dolphins defense. I'm going Miami plus oh, four and a half on the not. road. Yes, I am. You are not. Mikey me, Mikey McDaniel. Oh, right here. wow. All right, so to your point, I'm a little shocked. A few weeks back, Miami had the chance to get that number one seed and a first-round bye. Instead, they lose their last two games. They don't win the division. They start their playoff journey in ice-cold Arrowhead, the last place they want to be. Trust me, I've been there. I've seen the elements. Just standing on that field for a little under an hour nearly killed me a few years back. <laughs> and no one was coming off the edge trying to knock me out either. I'm still not right from that day. I don't think I ever will be. Have fun with that, Miami player and coach and fan. Look, I understand the Chiefs are not what they once were. Nobody can deny that, but they do still have Patrick Mahomes. They do still have Andy Reid. Miami is busted the hell up. I think you understated that. I know you touched on that. Mm -hmm. They are busted the hell up. And normally there is no answer for their incredible team speed except for this week. You want to know how you prevent Miami from making it a track meet. You make them run in zero-degree temps. This is reportedly going to be one of the coldest games in NFL history. This is where the Chiefs live. I do not see them losing a wild-card game at home. Not only that, I'm comfortable enough to lay the points. Chiefs minus four and a half. All right, so you and I are on the opposite sides of a couple. Let's talk about the next one. Both the Steelers and Bills are playing some of their best ball when it matters most. You can get double-digit points in this one. Mm -hmm. Head if you want it. 
The question is, do you want it? What's your play here? What's the number and what's your play? So I'm still all about the Mafia getting to the Super Bowl. I think they win here. But yeah, I'll you take are because the... you got them at plus 2,500, right? Hell yes. I love them. I, I think they're going to do that. But here, I think they win. But I'll take the now 10 points and go Pittsburgh. Oh. That's a lot of points. And it could be an ugly game. Wind gusts up to 50 miles an hour, possibly 18 degrees. few things. The Pittsburgh strength on O is their run blocking. I love me some Jalen Warren, and the Bills gave up 4.4 yards per carry to running backs this season. And over the last three games, the Steelers have ran for 156.7 yards per. They also do not turn the football over. Second fewest giveaways in the NFL this season. Mason Rudolph has thrown zero interceptions, and the Steelers have also forced six turnovers in the three wins he started. And as we know, my Josh Allen does have uh, 22 Josh turnovers on the season. That guy right there. But by no means, Mafia, am I saying your season um, has gone down a hole and you're covered in feces. Relax, Rick, Terry, love you all. But I'll say somehow, some way, the Steelers cover plus 10. Very interesting. You know, per usual, the it's not always the best team that wins it all, but the hottest team that wins it all. Right now, nobody is hotter than Buffalo. And they went from seemingly dead at 6-6. Six and six. They end the year winning five in a row. They play all the way up into the two seed. And now they're a threat once again. However, I do want to give the Steelers some credit. They are playing some of their best ball when it matters most. Give Mason Rudolph some credit. This is the best that offense has looked all year long. I mean, it's a given. The Steelers' best is not going to beat Buffalo's best. Hell, the Steelers' best is not even going to beat a B effort by Buffalo. But the question is, are you comfortable laying 10 points in a game like this? I'm not. You clearly are not. But I will. I just want to go against you on everything, Head. I'm <laughs> going to so. lay the points. Bills minus 10. Beautiful. You and I have never been on the opposite side of so many games. Wild Let's get weekend. to the juicy. Yep. It's a wild card weekend. Mm-hmm. Juicy, spicy stuff. Packers at Cowboys. Big Mike trying to avoid another big, big letdown, especially against his former team. Got to hear it from you. What's the number? What are you doing with it? Quick question. Since it's technically the playoffs, is a certain commercial jingle still banned, or can we make an exception for postseason here? Because if I'm going with the jingle, I'm going with uh, the bro there, Big Mike McCarthy, and laying the seven points at home. Yes, Jordan Love is legit. What are you doing, dude? What are you going with that? Could we maybe have the jingle played? No. No? It's postseason play. Because it's the playoffs? Yes. It, because it's year. the playoffs, I'm going to make an exception for that. I think so. You both are morons. You're imbeciles. Alan, Alan, do you want to go down into that feces hole with him? Keep doing what he asked you to do. You wouldn't be in a porta potty jumping. If, if you weren't you, doing what James Kelly told you to do. If James Kelly told you to jump off a bridge, this would you, Alan? No, no, no. Go ahead. Go Jordan ahead, loved, James. Love him. Uh, since week 12, he's completed over 70% Good. of his Good. The passes. two of you will be spending a lot of time again working <laughs> somewhere else. 1,800 yards passing, 16 touchdowns to one interception on the season, 32 touchdowns. Infuriating. But Dak's been better, and Dak's playing at home where the Cowboys have been elite. They've won 16 straight at Jerry's crib, and Dak's offense has scored 37.4 points per game there this season. That's the highest scoring offense at home since the 2014 Green Bay Packers led by A1C Mike. I think Dak lights up Joe Barry's D. Their biggest worry might be the Packers' running game. Last three games, the Pack have averaged 154 yards a game rushing. But as you know, Jim, this isn't the sissy challenge on Sunday. It's the 
playoffs. Cowboys minus seven. You want to know something? I, I didn't hear a word you said except for who you picked. And I'm literally so pissed at both of you right now that I'm going to go the other way just to spite you and not even do any analysis. Packers plus seven. Okay, Packers plus seven. Cool. All right, so now you and I have picked four games or three games differently. Okay. What about the next one? Rams v. Lions. Everybody loves the matchup. Which way are you going? Tell me so I can go the other way, no matter how I actually feel. Okay, I'm taking the three points in the Rams here. Lots and lots of offense. Since week 11, Sir Matthew Stafford has averaged 270 yards passing, which would rank first in the NFL over an entire season. His offense has averaged over 400 yards in that time. Now, Jared Goff, since week 10, his offense has cranked out 398 yards of total offense. Both teams are efficient as hell in the red zone on offense, but... I can't get past the fact that Sir Nick Mullins lit up the Lions secondary for 807 yards in the two games he's played in the last three weeks, and the fact that the Lions' red zone D ranks 29th, which is huge considering the Rams can't kick field goals, and Brett Maher, Mar, whatever the hell his name is, he's back kicking again. Just, I was going to do it. Yeah. Allen beat me to it. Go ahead. Just make your extra points, uh, you dick you, Allen. Uh, love Cannibal. But he's not Sean McVay, Sam Jackson, ATS. We're going against Cannibal, who really, he might be the goat here in ATS, but ram it, Sam Jackson. We're going Rams plus three. See, the thing about this is I agree with most everything you just said, and I love the Rams. I really do. I love the Rams. I do too. And as much as I like Campbell, I like Sean McVay a hell of a lot more in this spot. But I'm not feeling good about you at all today, dude. So even though I was going to pick the Rams, I'm not now. I'm going to take the Lions. I'm going to take the Lions at home, and I'm going to lay the three, and for one reason one reason only. Not because I think I'm going to win the bet, but because I'm sick of you today, Head. I'm being real with you, all right? I'm just being real. I'm picking against you based on a personal issue that I have with you. You got on the wrong side of me today, Head. And stop dragging Allen and the show down with you. I apologize. You, yeah, sure you don't. You apologize for absolutely nothing. I know you, dude. You've never apologized. Give me all your picks. Run them back. Browns minus 2.5 at Texans. Dolphins plus 4.5 at Chiefs. Steelers plus 10 at Bills. Cowboys minus 7. Packers. Uh, Rams plus 3 at Lions. I think since you and I are on the wrong side of every single pick, one of us is going to have a good weekend and one of us is going to have a bad weekend. <laughs> all right, Head. Hopefully it warms up. Hopefully you get to watch the dog. Have a great weekend, dude. See ya. Thanks. This guy, man. Thank you for nothing, Head. Hour three coming up next. Let's make some money!